good choice. And so let's say, be thou my vision. everybody. It's good to be in GCA one more time, and I'm, I'm always grateful to God when he allows me to come this way, and I'm grateful to your pastor, Pastor Jim, for allowing me to stand behind this desk and preach, because I, I don't take it lightly, and I know most pastors are very protective of their pulpit, and they don't want any and everything in them. And so I, I consider it a privilege and honor to always come in and preach. And I, I'm glad he entrusted the feeding of his flock to me this morning. And I hope it's a good meal. <laughs> uh, we'll see what the Lord says. And uh, I brought some dear friends with me from Huntsville now. I say Madison. They used to live in Nashville and used to go to Mount Gilead. And the Lord blessed them to move to the Huntsville area. And so they're there with me now. And they came up with me this morning. That's the Patterson sitting right there and but three rows back. And we're we're glad that Tony is an elder of the church too. He's my elder brother in the ministry. Elder Ward is our father in the ministry and we both came out of Mount Zion and Oak Ridge and 
So it's, it's been a long time. Don't ask years because you don't need to know all that. That's none of your business. Just, just know that we've been friends a long time. Amen. And I appreciate them coming up with me and, and uh, so we can uh, see what the Lord has for us this morning. Amen. Amen. And let me, let me say this. I miss homecoming. And I didn't think about homecoming till Sunday evening, Easter Sunday evening. And it was just a crazy week and, and all. And matter of fact, I, I, we, uh, the church I play for, they did the seven last words of Christ. That was Friday evening. I'm, I'm going to do what I did there to, today because I had to do it real quick. And I said, you know, I can't do that. It, it takes a little bit more time than the time I had. So, so we're going to do that. But, you know, it was just a crazy week. And I didn't realize I'd missed homecoming till Sunday evening. And I called Jim. And Jim said everybody was wondering where I was. And I told him it was his fault because last year he had a stroke and he didn't have it. So, you know. <laughs> and so so that's, that was my excuse for missing. But I, I missed you all. And I, I think that's the... I, I think I missed one other one. We were in Knoxville, and we were trying to get here, and the, and the car broke down on us. I think that's the only other one I missed. So hope it doesn't happen again, the Lord's willing. But it's good to be here. Good to see you all, new faces and things, other friends in the back. I see the youngs back there. Glad you all made it as well. Amen. So let's go to Luke 23. And it's a very familiar passage. Verse 39, and I have an English standard version, so it's going to read a little different right there. In verse 39, it says, And one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen. I want to speak this morning about the sweet serenity of a sovereign savior. The sweet serenity of a sovereign savior. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for today. We thank you for this hour, Lord, and it's our prayer, it's my prayer, Lord, that you would bless your preached word. We pray your spirit be upon it, Lord, to, for me to preach and for your people to receive it, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity. We ask your blessings on Pastor Jim as he travels, Lord, and you would bless him in conference in Texas and bless all the preachers there, Lord, and then return him safely home to stand here once again and proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We thank you, Lord. It's our prayer always, Lord, that we will be encouraged and that sinners be saved by the preaching of your gospel. If it's your will, Lord, do so this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And with, with our focus, of, of course, on that verse 43, and Jesus said unto him, and then King James says, Verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. John Gill says of this passage, The story of the penitent thief has somewhat been considered the most surprising, the most suggestive, the most instructive incident of all the gospel narrative. 
in the salvation of one of the thieves, vital theology finds one of its finest demonstration. And I want to touch on some of that theology this morning, as our title suggests, that there is uh, there's some sweet serenity in this passage. And that Jesus tells this thief that today you will be with me in paradise. There, there's, there's some comfort, there's some joy built into this text from just reading it. From just reading, and I want to go through these things, and uh, I, I hope the Lord will, will give you some serenity, some peace through this scripture. First of all, there's the serenity of God's sovereignty. The serenity of God's sovereignty. God is sovereign. I mean, your sign says it, right? It says it. God is sovereign. He's doing what he wants to do. He's doing it how he wants to, where he wants to, when and with whomever he wants to in his creation. And that includes you and me. The scriptures declare that none can stay his hand or ask, uh, why are you doing what you're doing? Now, if you know the world of religion today, it's God is sovereign, but... Now, that, that, that can't be. It's either God is sovereign or he's not. And as I said, that's over, even over our lives, beloved, even over our lives. I, I, I know what, what men are saying. They're saying he's, God is sovereign, but man has a free will. Yeah, I'm sure you heard that a lot. And I, I'm not here to argue about the will being free or not. Uh, uh, you know, that's, that's not the point. The point is that even if it is free, if it is free, it's still under the sovereign will and direction of God. Amen. It doesn't change a thing there. Okay? You've often heard me use the analogy of, of riding an airplane. The pilot takes off and he puts on the sign and says, you're free to walk about the cabin. Right? You're free, but try walking outside the plane. You just, just can't do it, right? You're in the sphere of God. And what he says, go. Here's the other thing in, in that the, the same people who would argue against the sovereignty of God in their lives, they are the first to recite the Lord's Prayer. And you, and you know the Lord's Prayer is a prayer of sovereignty. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That is a statement that, God, your, your sovereign will is to be done in earth as in heaven. It's, 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 if you want to call it a request, it's even a request that it be so. We, we pray for everything, right? We, we pray for everything. We pray for, we pray for this to happen. We pray, we pray for the job. We, we pray for our, our loved ones when they get sick. We pray for our families when they bereave. We, we pray for our folks who are going through all kinds of things. Uh, we, we pray that the Lord bless us to win the ball game, right? If you go through that, if you really think about that, when you're asking God to do what he does, you're asking him to be sovereign over that situation. He's in control. He is sovereign. And this is vital if we're going to understand the saying of our Lord. Uh, you ask why? Because uh, God is never, ever, 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 ever under any obligation to save anybody. Never, ever. 
Anytime God saves a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, it's an act of grace. He's never obligated to. So, so if, you, if you're going to understand this passage, first thing you got to get is that God is sovereign in our lives and definitely over salvation. He's saving who he wants to, when he wants to, where he wants to. And, and, and I don't care how you feel about it. That's what he's doing. The question comes a few, few minutes ago. And this thief was railing against Jesus just like everybody else. And now, how can Jesus grant him immediate entrance <laughs> into paradise, into heaven? After all he's done, after all, you know, not just insulting Jesus, but, but all the stuff he did to get him here in the first place. To be crucified. And Jesus is going to forgive him of his sin and, and, and grant him access to paradise right here, right now. And, and what? what I've been on this Christian journey for 45 years, and that's just not fair. <laughs> that's, that's just not fair. You remember the parable Jesus gave after the rich young ruler came to him. He said, good master, what must I do to be saved? And, and that ends with Jesus telling the, the rulers, I tell you what, sell all you have to give, give to the poor and come and follow me. And it says, and he goes away sorrowful. And Jesus makes this statement. It's, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. And Peter looks around. And I can imagine he's, he raises his hand and said, Jesus, just, just, just to be sure, uh, I just want you to know, we have forsaken all to follow you. You know, just, 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 so, so, so I just want you to know, we're on the poor side here. <laughs> you know, we, we have forsaken all to follow you. And Jesus says, I appreciate it, Peter, that you, you're going to have, uh, each one of you going to have a throne to rule over the tribes of Israel. But he ends up, he said, but many of you who are first shall be last. And he goes in the parable of the man hiring workers. He hires them all day. All day. And then the 11th hour come and he hires that 11th hour worker and he pays the 11th hour worker the same thing. He's, he pays the one who started the first beginning of the day. And what happens? Those who start the beginning of the day come back and say, of course, that's not fair. He worked one hour. I worked 12. How is it he's going to get the same thing I got? And, and the parable says that the employer says that did you not get what we agreed to? Uh, is it not right for me to do with what I want to that's mine? If I want to give the, the guy a million dollars for working 15 minutes, that's my business. In other words, beloved, God is sovereign. Okay? He is sovereign over salvation. It doesn't matter when you come in. It doesn't matter how you come in. Don't get upset because some person you think is vile and wretched. God saves and then they end up becoming second only to the apostle Paul. You know, they had that problem. <laughs> right? They had that problem. A great persecuted church. And now he's in a sense of one of the chief apostles. It's somewhere that just ain't right, you know, but it's God's business. Salvation is God's business. So he's sovereign and there's serenity in that. There's serenity in the fact that no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what you think about me, God has decided that I, in a sense, for some reason known unto him, I'm worth saving. 
And that's the serenity. Serenity in its sovereignty. I don't know how you make it through this life if you don't think God is in control. I don't know how you, you, you face the pressures from day to day if you don't really and truly believe that ultimately there is a greater hand. There is somebody behind the scenes working a greater work. He's sovereign. Secondly, that God is the serenity in that God is able and does save the most vile, despicable and evil sinner. Yeah, we're depraved. We, we got that, right? We, we, we're good grace people. We all know we're all totally depraved, right? And uh, don't need to go back over that. That's, that as, as the Hebrews say, that's milk, right? <laughs> we, we can go all right? But even, even in that, as bad as I am, uh, you know, we still, and bad as you are, we still have some things we look at and say, man, that's really wicked. What he did or what she did or is doing, you know, that's that's really I've never seen anything like that in my life. You know. It's that person who seemed to have no restraint uh, when I speak of the vileness of it. It's, it's they're, they're doing whatever they want to, whenever they want to, to fulfill some from sinful pleasure or 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 to hurt somebody is that violence that uh, we have a hard time. We have a hard time believing that God in all his might and all his strength is able to save a person like that. But the serenity is that God is able to do it. The Apostle Paul would say it like this. He says in first Timothy one fifteen, this is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Peter. Jesus said, okay, I'm about to go to Calvary. Uh, They're going to crucify me and thing. And Peter says, I got your back. (laughs) That's what Peter tells you. He says, don't don't worry about it, Lord. I got got my blade right here. I got your back. I got your back. And Jesus said, I tell you what, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Now, here's the thing about Peter's denial. Jesus had already taught that if you disown me before men, what? I'll disown you before my father. Right. And again, we know that there's a sovereign reason for this thing happening where it does, you know, is to get Peter where he needs to be. Yeah, but, but the fact is that if Paul, the persecutor of the church, Peter, the man who denied Jesus, and because he denied Jesus, should not uh, uh, be uh, able to stand before the presence of God because Christ is on him. If, if these two men can be saved for that, anybody else can be saved for anything else. Amen. Amen. And and I'm sure all of us here agree, those of us who say we do answer with Paul that of sinners, we are chief. I I got some stuff. I I, I pray that they stay skeletons. You know, we we don't want them coming out with fresh meat on them. (laughs) You know, I pray that there's there's some stuff I hope that in my life, I hope that nobody ever knows. But the serenity is that in every wicked, evil 
everything I've done, I think about, that I'm still capable of doing, that God is able to cover it with the blood of his son. But what about this? It, it, it doesn't matter. It's covered. What if I did? It doesn't matter. It's covered by the blood. No matter how vile, no matter how wretched you think you are or you think somebody is, God is able to save sinners. Even the thief admits to the other thief, he said, you know, after he talked about him for a minute, he said, you know, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, now we're bad. We're supposed, we supposed to be hanging up here. <laughs> you, know, we, you know, we're getting what we deserve, but Jesus has done nothing. And beloved, again, and, and that's, that's a point that you're going to have to come to in your life if there is to be salvation. If, if you hadn't gotten to that point to where you know that what you truly deserve in your life is to be dead and buried and to lift up your eyes in hell, then I go back and check that thing. There has to be that realization that I am a sinner. And in God's eye, even the smallest piccadillo of whatever it is, in God's eye, I'm still a wretched creature. Even if I've done nothing, if I lived a whole life because I'm a son of Adam, I still deserve to go to hell. But God, he's able to save and save to the uttermost. Amen. Amen. Then. That's the sweet serenity that Jesus is a personal savior. He's a personal savior. Now, I, I believe this with all my heart, beloved. I believe this with all my heart that, that if nobody else in the world was saved when Jesus Christ was crucified, the thief on the right was saved. Yes, he's that personal. He's that personal. What, what am I saying? You mean Jesus would come all the way down from heaven for 42 generations, uh, 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 live this perfect life, and, and then go to Calvary and, and, and suffer the humiliation, the shame, and, and be beaten and pierced in his side, nails in his hand, crown of thorn? He would do all that for one soul on the cross already? Yes. He's that kind of personal savior. I could get into God's providence of this situation. I just, uh, you know, I just think about this. I often wonder how long these two thieves went along doing what they're doing before they got caught. You know, and it just so happens that they get caught just in time to be in the same situation with Jesus. Just so this thief could be saved. That's God, y'all. We, we can't write stuff like that, okay? That's, that's God working in his sovereignty. He is a personal savior. He's a personal savior. I love the story of the Samaritan woman. Those little words that, that get me are, he must need go through Samaria. Just for that woman. Yeah, he may, they may have been some other things, but for me, at that time, at that moment, he knew that woman was coming to that well to get water. 
Master, we're going to, uh, we need some food. Y'all going to town, I'm, I'm sitting here. I got business here. Now, my other favorite was even uh, more fascinating than that. Jesus, he, he finishes teaching and he tells his disciples, let's go to the other shore. Let's get in the boat and go to the other shore. And you know what happens on the way over there, right? They have a storm and everything. It's so much so they think they're going to die. They even, in a sense, question Jesus and his commitment to them. To, Don't you care we about to die here? Wake up. <laughs> you know, how, how can you be sleeping now? And he gets up, he rebukes the storm. He gets to the other shore. There's a man in the tomb. His name is Legion. And he heals that man. He restores that man. And if you notice this text after that, he gets back on the boat and goes back across the sea. He did all that for one soul. Beloved, he's a personal savior. And I, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I, I believe, I, I said the thief, but I believe if I were the only sinner in this world, Jesus still would have come and died for me. Is that personal? Is, that, is he like that for you? I, I pray he is. You know, I, I pray he's that kind of savior for you, that you have that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ, that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, he died for me. He may have died for some other folk, and I'm, I'm glad he did, but I'm really glad he died for me. Amen. Amen. Really glad he died for me. And then after that, it just drives me so crazy when I, I pray to God and he answers my prayer. I don't know if that gets y'all like it gets me, but it gets me that the God of the universe, the mighty God of the universe, like he ain't got enough to do. OK. He takes time to hear and answer my little measly prayer. Beloved, he's personal. He's personal. And if that doesn't bring you some serenity, some peace, some comfort, then I, I don't know what will. That God is concerned about me. Out of all he couldn't be concerned about, he's concerned about me. And then there's serenity that I am saved and I'm going to be with Christ. That I'm saved in Christ right now. Now, Jesus tells, he tells the thief, he says, this day. Now, he doesn't say, okay, tell you what, I'm a little tied up right now. You know, these nails, these going to, uh, I tell you what, if you can hold on a little while, uh, maybe three days, I'll come back and check on you. No, Jesus says, today, right now, you don't have to wait, you don't have to do anything. That, beloved, salvation is of grace. There's nothing you can do. You're saved immediately. Right now, as Ephesians says, seated in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, what am I doing now? I'm, I'm doing what like Paul says. I'm trying to take hold of that which is taking hold of me. Okay? That's the working. It's trying to obtain what, what I already am. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. 
There's nothing you have to do. There's, there's nothing you can bring. He said, well, uh, well, come to Christ. Well, you know, I, uh, I got this thing that I, you know, I need to take care of first. You know, I got this sin, I got this hang up, you know, I got this financial problem. And as soon as I get that taken care of, I'll give my life to Christ. On, on the, and the other side is, okay, you say Christ has saved you. Well, you have to prove it to us by doing this, that, 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 you know, uh, I won't get into religions, you know, I won't, but, you know, but beloved, it's none of that. Actually, I say today, but I think scripture is right. Scripture says from the foundation of the world. You know? I'm just finding out about it. <laughs> yeah? I finally figured out God's joy when one of us does come to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. I, I, I finally figured that out. I know the parables, you know, the rejoicing in heaven, you know, over the, the coin and the and the and the and the son and the sheep, but but I kind of figured out the joy that God must feel when one of his elect, that that moment when that heart is turned to him. And it, and I found I, I realized it when Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. We all in here, we were born, right? I'm just missing with you. Just send if you wait. <laughs> and that's that one little alien-looking person. But no, that's, that's it. Birth is a thing. I, I've got a three-month-old grandson, and his name is Ezekiel. And I doubt if Ezekiel knows his name is Ezekiel. But one day, his mom is going to say, Ezekiel. And he's going to turn his head and look. A few days after that, and here's the joy. He's going to say, Mama, Daddy. That's when that baby realizes that, hey, these people are important to me. This is my mom. That's the, that's the joy God must feel when we finally turn to him and as Scripture says, and say, Abba. Yeah, yeah. It, it's for him. It's old stuff, you know. You, how, how long is it before babies start talking? About eight months or so, you know. Even maybe longer than that. But but it, it takes a minute for that which is born to realize it is alive. I, I think that's the joy God feels when when a sinner comes. That when we finally recognize our name, we turn and we call him Father. Then the serenity and the fact that there's a place that the righteous can call home. And Jesus tells us, thief, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Heaven's a real place. I, I know it's hard for us to get our little feeble mind right, but it's real. It's real. And there's a God man on the throne there. That's something that previously even the angels hadn't seen. Jesus Christ, he reigns in heaven. There's a true place that the righteous can call home. Jesus says it this way, and you know the passage well, John 14, 
Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He's going to prepare a place for us. Don't know what it's like. Don't know how, how all that's going to work out. But I know it's going to work out. Paul says it this way. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. Beloved, there is a place the righteous can call home. This is a temporal setting. It's not going to last all the way. We've got a better home to go to. And for me, the sooner, the better. You know, I don't know if I told y'all this joke or not, but I often joke that if Jesus, he's, he's paid for all my sins, right? Even, even if it was sin, but he's, he's covered everything, right? So I, I got that thing and I said, hey, if I commit a suicide, I go on to heaven and I won't have to go to work. I won't have bills to pay nothing like that. And, and then I realized uh, because he is sovereign, it may not be my time to go. Amen. It may be that I live my life with a hole in my head for being stupid. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but the, the, the fact is we have a place that's outside this realm. You know, don't, don't let this world get you down. Okay. We, we, we have to survive. We have to work here. But, but, but keep in the back of your mind that one of these days, this is all going to be over. And I'm going to be at rest in my mansion with Jesus Christ. I, I, I hope that brings some peace to you some, somewhere that, that knowing that whatever goes on in my life, however, however bad it is, however bad it's going to be, however bad it gets, it doesn't matter because there is another place for me to call home. That brings peace to me. That's, that speaks serenity to me. I've gotten to the, uh, I think it started happening last year. Um, that the first time I cut my lawn, it hurt. I, I, I will tell you, it hurt. So much so that if it's real hot now, I get somebody else to cut it. <laughs> and it's, it's just, I'm, I'm getting old, you know? I, I can't do what I used to do. I can't, but, but the joy is that one day I'll turn off this flesh and I have another body eternal in the heavens. This, this is not a home. This is not a home. This is not our terminal dwelling place for the soul. No, God, God's got better plans for us. He's got better plans for us. As old folk used to say, just a few more rising and setting of the sun. It's a few more, and we'll be home with him. Then, lastly and most important, you know what I'm about to say, right? Somebody tell me what I'm about to say. I, I just want to see if you know. It, come on, I'll give you $10 if you can tell me <laughs> what my last point is. The serenity and knowing that I'll be with Jesus. With all that other stuff, doesn't exist, never happened. The fact that thou shalt be with me 
in paradise. You'll be with me. What's the TV show? Uh, it used to come on. Uh, it was a guy. His girlfriend was a celebrity, and he was. She liked this guy. He's just a normal guy. And I think the title show was "I'm with her." She was a big celebrity and everything. And whenever they go somewhere, you know, to to get in, of course, she you know she gets all the special treatment and everything. And his line was, "I'm with her." You know. I'll be with Jesus. Whatever else, whatever you may, whatever you may think about it. Satan may even be there to accuse. Why are you going to let him in? Should you be able to get in? I, I say, I'm, I'm with Jesus. <laughs> it, I, I like Old Testament types. When, when uh, in Genesis, when Tamar, you know, she goes out on the road and she plays the harlot, and Judah comes in and sleeps with her. And it's a long story, but she was to marry the son because the son had died, and you know how that thing goes. That if, if your son dies, the next son was to take up and raise a child to that. And, and Judah didn't give his next son to Tamar. So Tamar took matters on hand, and she went on the side of the road. She played her harder, and Judah came in, slept with her. She got pregnant, and he left his cord and his insignia ring with Tamar. And when Judah found out, when word got back to Judah that Tamar was pregnant, Judah was ready to burn at the stake pretty much. But Tamar's response was, uh, uh, it was classic. It was classic. Take this cord and this ring. Whoever these belong to, that's who I'm pregnant by. The lesson there is that whatever we're going through, beloved, that we can say, hey, it's own the lion of the tribe of Judah. He, he's not this. He's not doing that. He's, you know, he was unfaithful here. He was unfaithful there. And my response is, see Jesus about that. Because the scripture is true, and I know it is, and if it's right, and I know it is, that all of my sins, all of my uh, stuff going on is covered by the blood of Jesus. Jesus answers for me. Another example. I think I've even preached this here. Uh, I talked about Mary and Martha. You remember that story? Uh, Jesus stops by to visit, you know, and Martha feels like she needs to cook everything in the house for Jesus. And, and so she's in the kitchen working, and, and, and because she's doing that, and she expects, because it's Jesus, she expects Mary to help. But instead, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to Jesus teach. And Martha looks in the other room. She sees, she sees Mary sitting there, and Martha's working in the kitchen, and Martha gets mad. And I, I can imagine how scripture really wants to read that. <laughs> you know, you know. But he goes to Jesus and he says, uh, Master, tell, tell Mary to get up and help me. And Jesus tells Martha that Mary has chosen the best part. Sit here at my feet. It, 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 what you're doing is okay. I appreciate it. But Mary has chosen the best part. The point here is that Mary never says a word in her defense. Never says a word in her own defense. It's Jesus that speaks for. Beloved, I will, you will, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you will be with him. Ain't that something? Yes, it is. Isn't that amazing? That he, he is God of the universe. 
More than that, he is my personal savior. I, I, yes, I, I want to see nail scarred hands. I want to see bruised side. I want to see nail scarred. I, I want to see where the crown of thorn is planted. I want to see the scars on his back from where they beat him. For me, I will be with Jesus. You will be with Jesus. In the Old Testament, Absalom's taking over and tried to take over. I'm trying to be careful, y'all. <laughs> Absalom has tried, has taken over the throne, and David has fleed. And in David's fleeing, the people who were caring for him in Fibership, you know, they figured this is a good time to get all that stuff back. That David had granted Mephibosheth, you know, they said, you take care of him. This is Saul's son. You take care of Mephibosheth, whatever he needs, you see. And, and I can't imagine the folk wasn't too happy about having to serve him. So when this uproar took place, they took all Mephibosheth's stuff and ran off with it in a sense. And then, and then they lied about Mephibosheth. Because David was looking for him. He said, uh, we don't know David. He just didn't want to come, basically. You know, he, didn't, he didn't want to come with you. So, but when, when David gets back, David asked Mephibosheth, he said, where, where were you? I thought of all the people who would have stuck by my side, you would have stuck by my side. And Mephibosheth explained the situation and, you know, I said, well, I wanted to, but they, they did me wrong. And so I couldn't get to you because I can't walk for one thing. And David said, okay, this, this is what's going to happen. I'm not exactly sure I believe you, but I'm not really sure if that's the whole truth or if you did just not want to follow me or not. So y'all take the goods and split it in half. And Mephibosheth's response to that is that not they can have it all. My joy is that the king's all right. That's that's good enough for me. I'm just glad to know that you're on the throne and you're all right. The song says you can have this whole world, but give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. There's a song by Don McClurkin that goes like this. I'm not thinking about those sights. I won't be there to enjoy the view. I think heaven will be all right as long as you're there. As long as there's you. Heaven is going to be all right as long as Jesus is there. Hell will be all right as long as Jesus is there. You know? A little warm, but it'll be fine. Beloved, we will be with Jesus. And wherever Jesus is, there is serenity. There is peace. All these other things, yes, they, 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 we get that. But we get that because of Jesus. And I hope you all know this morning that we are in the same condition as those two thieves on the cross. We're sinners. We deserve to die, condemned to die for our sins against God. But God, in his sovereign grace through Jesus Christ, decided to save a people for himself. And as Apostle Paul says, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Uh, he, he says to all the elect of God today that, that whoever you are, 
Wherever you are in this life, whatever you're doing, if, if, you have, if you give your life to Christ, when you give your life to Christ, the statement comes, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. Whenever it comes in your life, whatever you're going through in your life, this day, right now, this moment, you'll be with me in paradise. Amen? Amen. 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 It's Jesus Christ. He died for us. He died for us, and he died so good that God raised him from the dead. Amen? He did it in such an excellent way that God said, I'm pleased. I'm pleased with your offering. And he raised him from the dead, and right now he intercedes for us. Again, it goes back to the fact, you see what it did? Father, don't pay attention to that. That's covered too. He intercedes for us. He's there right now. And one of these days, one of these days, and I fear sooner than later, you know what I mean. I'm looking forward to it. But but sooner than later, he's coming back, and he's going to take us home to be with him forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. Okay, let me let me go off on my little tangent here, and I'll leave y'all alone. Okay, okay. This uh, I know I like science, and I have a tendency to think things in scientific terms and things like that. And I was just trying to think about what would eternity be like, and I tried to Google it, but I couldn't find it. So I, I was <laughs> not, not that part, but let me, this this part. <laughs> I don't think Google has that answer. <laughs> but I was looking to, see, I was just curious to see if they know. Um, I was thinking about the earth going around uh, the sun and, and the speed it goes around the sun and, 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 and the speed is turned on its axis. And I remember learning way back in chemistry and everything that if you shrink the, the solar system down or if you make an atom as big as the solar system and that the first electron be as far away from the sun as you know the, this and that matter of fact at the Space and Rocket Museum in Huntsville when you park your car they have a display of sorts that where they have Pluto and it's distant from the sun and Pluto is way out in the parking lot the sun is up next to the building, but Pluto is in the parking lot. As you come up, you, you, you get each of the planets. So I was wondering, I wonder if we were able to shrink this down or not, not necessarily shrink it down, but I, I just got curious about how fast does an electron go around the nucleus of an atom? And I can imagine if, if we're spinning as fast as we are and we're the size we are, that that's got to be pretty quick. You know, it's a speed that can't even be measured. And... How many years would pass by in one blink of an eye of our time if we were that size? And then I thought, eternity has just begun. It's just begun. We'll be with him, beloved. Can't wait. We'll be with him forever and ever. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness. And you're going to have to have a new body. I mean, it's, it's praise going on in heaven, right? And, and, and I can hardly stand the time I stand on this foot. 
Uh, it's going to require some new stuff to worship him forever. God bless you. God bless you this morning. Thank you for listening to this Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Assembly. Please visit our website at salvationbygrace.org. And join us next time when we gather around the Word and study God's sovereign grace.